Welcome to the Happy Homeschool, where we talk about creative homeschool inspiration rooted in relationships for the nonconformist, dedicated parent. I'm Laura Blodgett. And my goal at the Happy Homeschool is to inspire and equip you to create a learning environment that makes home everyone's favorite place. You can always read more at thehappyhomeschool.com. Hello, I'm Laura. I am calling today's episode The Siren Call of Extra Activities. You can probably guess what I mean by extra activities. Some people might still use the institutional idea of calling them extracurricular activities. Some people might call them social activities. It depends a little bit on what the goal is, but we are obviously going to be talking about it from a homeschool perspective or from the perspective of teaching your own children at home. And I'm going to offer you some ways to think through this that I think will help you. This discussion inevitably will intertwine with what people will view as the subject of socialization. If you go to the website, thehappyhomeschool.com, and type socialization in the search bar, you will come up with several articles that I have written, and some of them are recorded, that address this in particular. But for this particular discussion, I want to begin with this. People don't understand the family unit. Of course, that's a general statement. I'm not saying all people don't know, but in general, that seems to be a problem. People tend to view the family unit as an inferior setting for children, only to be tolerated, sometimes for sleeping and eating. They tend to believe or give in to stereotypes of discontent and strife that is going to be rampant in the family unit, and then end up stimulating those very things by having fractured schedules and giving everything but the family priority and time. Even homeschoolers struggle with this. But home and parents are the perfect socialization for young children and should still be a solid base of that for middle-aged children and older children who need the example and encouragement of keeping margin in their schedules and valuing family. Outside or extra activities can have, do have value, but they need to be considered more seriously in terms of their overall impact and necessity. Plus, the same benefits we think that our kids are getting from them can often be gotten in more creative and enjoyable ways. When I say this, I am including in the category of more creative and enjoyable ways, both things that can be done within the family or between families in a non-institutional way or a non-programmed way. I will give some examples of that later. Let's talk about the reasons that people have for looking for extra activities. Sometimes they want social interaction for their kids, as we mentioned. Sometimes they want other people to teach their kids certain subjects. Sometimes it's just peer pressure. Sometimes people have a sense that a classroom teaching is still superior. Sometimes people seek outside activities to help others. And sometimes it's for team or group things that are best done in a group setting. That would include everything from some musical endeavors to sports teams. Unfortunately, I've seen a lot of people jump into outside activities without really weighing what they are committing themselves to, even if it's a short-term thing like a few months or a year. It can have a big impact on the family. 
So I think it's good to have a checklist to go over before you add something like this to your schedule as a family. And it would probably help to write things down as you evaluate because it's too easy to do it in an offhanded way and not really seriously consider what is involved. Thinking about how often you would be involved in this activity seems obvious, but I have found over the years that the answer is not really as obvious as you might think, and it takes some delving into and really considering. Then there's the question of how much preparation would either you or a child have to give to this particular activity. Another aspect is how disruptive it is to regular learning at home, which includes not only the time that must be spent in preparation for it, but also travel time. And if you try and do anything in a dual learning kind of thing with public schools or an institutional school, you also have to add administrative time. The cost, the overall or the long-term cost of outside activities is often not something easily apparent without looking into it more. And then you might also ask yourself what exactly you are expecting from these extra activities and what your priorities really are. And I should add that when it comes to evaluating things like time and cost in outside activities, you really should approach it like you would any other budgeting where there's the rule of thumb, you add it all up and you multiply by three because it's always more than you think it is. So now I'd like to give you a review of the various outside activities that I've had the opportunity to try over the many years that I taught our children at home. First on the list is a co-op and co-ops are very popular. Our particular co-op was once a week. It was called Friday School, and the kids had the choice of a couple of classes, and I signed up to teach a first aid class. Even though it was only scheduled for the morning, it ended up affecting the whole day. Plus, I had to commit prep time to prepare the lesson on another day. I found that the interaction with the other children was fairly disappointing. For one thing, a fair percentage of them were only there because they had to be typical of institutional settings. For another, it was the typical classroom size, and so I had very limited ability to interact with them personally. And even though I tried to make this first aid class interactive and interesting, there is only so much you can do in a classroom setting, and I think that overall the kids were bored. The next activity was one of the more positive ones and one we did for many years, and that is because it was so simple and it was only once a month. This was roller skating one morning on a weekday with a bunch of other homeschoolers. There was no prep and there was just a relaxed time where I could talk with other moms and the kids could talk with other kids. It ended up being a very good experience. Another outside activity that we did is one that's kind of unique, and that is that I took my children to a Spanish tutor once a week for a couple of hours. Now, one of the reasons this was unique was that this was a family friend that I had known for years, my sister grew up with, and this really aided in the communication and the level of dedication, and she was treating my kids like her own. This is the only outside activity that we actually continued for 23 years or until the youngest child was done with quote-unquote high school. But I do think it's important to add that even though this was an extra outside activity on the days of being tutored, I also included their Spanish studies on a daily basis in what we were doing, so it wasn't disconnected at all. Then there was the extra activity of signing up our oldest 
child for attending band class at the local high school. This ended up being an excessive drain on her time for very little benefit. As I mentioned earlier, there was some administrative things. There was a lot of wasted time in class. There were fundraising efforts. After trying this for a couple of semesters, we found that she got more musical practice playing with other people by just practicing with her siblings and other people who knew music. And it is kind of ironic to note that when she went to band, she was immediately put in one of the higher levels of the section for the instrument she played and looked to as a role model for everything. And up until that point, I had been her only instructor on that instrument, so it was more like they needed her than she needed them. Another extra activity that we did for many years was letting our kids be on sports teams. This included everything from community soccer teams for little kids to high school wrestling teams to club soccer teams, which were a lot of time and money. And while there was some benefit from all of those sports activities, I really, in retrospect, am not sure that they were worth it at all. Part of this could be because we were already an active family. It's not like we needed to sign them up for those things to get them to run around the yard or play together. There was one instance where one of our daughters was actually not allowed to participate on the soccer team because somebody sued the school district because of a a homeschool child made the cut for the football team and their son didn't, and they didn't think that was fair. Nobody seemed to consider that the homeschool student paid taxes, their parents paid taxes too. The girls also tried ballet for a couple of years, but to be honest, many of the performances were boring except when we were watching our own kids and their dad wasn't fond of it. Probably the sports interaction at the local high schools that were the most positive were when the two youngest girls ran on the cross country and the track teams. The coaches used the time well and were open to suggestions from my husband and I, who are also runners, and overall it was a good experience for the girls. And the last extra activity that I'm going to mention that we tried was we went to a couple of 4-H meetings for the kids when they were going to be raising rabbits and goats and chickens. But so much of the meetings was about meetings. And the lessons were not good economics because the kids were always going to get special favor from people to do their projects and to sell their things. We found that we could learn about the animals and make other connections with people that knew about animals that allowed us to use everybody's time more efficiently and enjoyably. Then I want to mention in particular one effort that was the result of trying to get involved in an extra activity, but the people in the group weren't easy to get along with. And so what was initially a huge disappointment became a major achievement. What it was is that our youngest daughter was interested in getting some drama or theater experience. So after she tried to engage with this other group of homeschooled children and was basically ignored and offered fairly meaningless ways to participate, I told her she could put on her own play in our backyard, and the results and the experience were incomparable. Over the next three summers, she managed and produced three plays, two of which were old-time Gilbert and Sullivan plays, which she played all the music for. She got siblings and cousins and friends involved in, and we had people show up in our backyard, like 40 people to come watch this, and it was just wonderful. And then the third play was written by another daughter. 
So I view this activity as more of a natural extension of the whole experience of learning at home and learning to be independent in furthering the things that you're interested in learning about them. It seems like signing our children up for extracurricular or extra outside activities, out extra outside of the home, is kind of the American way. And like some people feel like we're depriving our children if we don't have them in some sort of special activities. But then I also have to wonder if they're just avoiding home life or avoiding dealing with problems. I remember in particular talking with some of the parents whose daughters were also in the club soccer teams. It was not uncommon to hear parents say that, well, we keep them busy and so at least they're not doing drugs. But if you have to run everyone ragged or never see each other to avoid having your children use drugs, then something is wrong. Sometimes I think people who homeschool their kids sign their kids up for extra activities just to avoid appearing isolated. But that takes us right back to what I said at the beginning. People don't understand the family unit. They view it as an inferior setting for their children. But it's not. Keep in mind that when people might accuse you of that sort of thing, or you might overhear them saying that sort of thing about people who teach their kids at home, that really they're defending their own choices. Maybe some of them believe that the institutional setting really is better for their children, but most realize that those who teach their children at home are dedicating their lives to their children on a whole different level, and that makes them feel guilty. So it helps them if they can make statements about homeschooling that make it seem like it's not a great choice. So in summary, when it comes to choosing outside activities, think about your priorities, think about what you are expecting, consider the cost in both time and money, and realize that you chose homeschooling for good reasons. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Make sure you have signed up for the Dangerously Helpful Homeschool Dispatch. When you do, you will receive my best 25 homeschool tips. Now go out there and have fun creating a fantastic homeschooling experience for you and your children. 